Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. Uh, this week's topic, we're going to talk about uh, the investment policy statement, you know, what plan sponsors really need to know about it. Of course, um, as we usually do, we talk about the events that are coming up. July 28th, we got a 4K, that 4K networking event, and more importantly, that 4K Mets game. Uh, got a uh, great networking event, open to all occupations, so not just 401k folks. Uh, just like to keep that branding, uh, but uh, great event, City Fields, July 28th, um, against the Atlanta Braves. Game, food, all that kind of stuff, uh, 150 bucks. Uh, we sit in the Honda Club, which is right behind the chain link fence in right field. So will be close to the action. Um, and, uh, you know, depending on who's playing for the Mets right field, you can go say hello and whatnot. Uh, should be a lot of fun. And of course, in September, we got some great events lined up. Uh, we will be in St. Louis on September the 10th. We will be in Minneapolis on September the 24th. We will be in Planet Houston on September 29th. 100 bucks to attend, uh, food, game, uh, meet and greet, um, you name it, we got it going to be fun to be back. Um, you know, a few months back, didn't look like September was 100%, but obviously with uh, vaccinations up, uh, infections down, um, and even New York, uh, pretty much all the restrictions uh, have been lifted. So it's, it's great to uh, think about traveling again and go to that 4 for further information on how you can sign up and pay through PayPal for all these events. So, uh, the investment policy statement, you know, it's it's just one of those funny things. Um, to me, investment policy statement reminds me in the 1970s, 1980s, how it was important for people to know uh, their blood pressure. And then in the late 80s, 90s, and even today, it's what's your cholesterol level? Because everybody knows what their blood pressure is nowadays. Um, the investment policy statement became a huge thing, I want to say, over the last um, 10 to 15 years where uh, registered investment advisors that were pretty savvy uh, on a marketing uh, aspect of it uh, were pushing uh, good fiduciary type of tools and uh, decisions by plan sponsors, and they used the IPS as a kind of a great marketing tool. Oh, you don't have an IPS? Well, you need one. And there's a lot to be, you know, be said about having an IPS. And there's a lot of misnomers about the investment policy statement. So this kind of episode is kind of the idea of let's talk about the investment policy statement, talk what's kind of real about it and kind of what's not. But, you know, deep down, an IPS is what it says it is. Um, Dennis Green, which when he was Cardinals uh, coach of the Arizona Cardinals, was in a preseason game, and I always love that rant. Uh, the Bears are who we thought they were, you know, uh, and it was a preseason game, and it was just a great tirade. But an IPS is set, you know, it is what it is. It's an investment po policy statement. It's a document that sets forth the objections, restrictions, funding requirements, and basically the general investment structure for the management of the plan's assets and provide the basis for evaluating 401k plan's investment results and kind of a criteria on when, uh, which funds to select and, and when you need to replace it. 
and it sets forth the uh, plans, uh, investment guidelines, and procedures to uh, those assisting the investment process, such as uh, you know the retirement plan advisor that a plan sponsor will hire. And it really is that guide, it's that guiding light to uh, make investment decisions, both present and in the future. And you know you got to be. Uh, you know, it, it really is all about setting forth a procedure. Um, and if you follow that procedure, uh, the results uh, of, you know, the opportunity to meet the plan's investment goals for the plan and the plan's participants, uh, it's a great way of getting accomplished and avoid getting sued. Uh, one of the funniest things about an investment policy statement is everybody talks about it. And uh, one of, I think is one of the funniest things is that despite all the talk about how plan sponsors really need one, there is nothing in ERISA that says they actually do. Um, you know, just like there's no law that you have to brush your teeth. Uh, but we know that, you know, if you want to keep your mouth, uh, your original teeth, and avoid complications, you'll brush your teeth. So while a plan sponsor doesn't really need an IPS, they really do need one. Uh, they don't have to have it, but they do need one. And of course, the first reason why a plan sponsor needs one is because I've been through a lot of audits these days, and uh, Department of Labor auditor will ask for an investment policy statement. Um, if it's not legal required, uh, but they do ask you for it, you need to have one. Uh, you know, a plan sponsor really needs to have one. And you know, kind of like with the blood pressure and the cholesterol readings and the push for people to understand those numbers uh, of their own numbers. It's nice to know that, uh, you know, when uh, buddy of mine, James Holland, uh, you know, when I first met him 11 years ago, uh, he was one of those financial advisors who really understood the business and really understood fiduciary issues and liability and whatnot. And he was one of the ones pushing out for an IPS. Well, you need to have an IPS. And thanks to people like him and other registered investment advisors, especially those in the 338 space, those who were at the you know uh, head of the line in terms of marketing and reaching out to plan sponsors, thanks to their work, 80% uh, of plans, um, 87 87% of ERISA covered retirement plans have an investment policy statement. And the second you know, reason why uh, a plan should have an IPS, it's part of a prudent fiduciary process, just like a cereal's, you know, the cereal is part of a nutritious breakfast. I always love those commercials. I never understood how Count Chocula was part of a nutritious breakfast, because quite honestly, I would think if... Uh, Count Chocula is part of nutritious breakfast. So is uh, a shot of uh, Crown Royal, too. Um, because I think if you say it, you know, uh, maybe it's true. And Crown Royal, you know, probably could um, get those uh, uh, juices flowing in the morning. Not for, you know, kids today, but, you know, maybe for adults. But uh, somehow Count Chocula, somehow... Uh, Fruity Pebbles was part of nutritious breakfast. All I know is uh, I was a Cheerios and a Rice Krispies fan. Now I can't even touch cereal, but I only have one cavity, which is probably about 15 to 20 less than some of my family members who uh, uh, 
did partake in Count Chocula being part of the church's breakfast. But for those scoring at home, a prudent process is, you know, establishing an IPS, diversifying plan assets, making investment decisions with the skill and care of a prudent expert, and avoiding any prohibited transactions. And, you know, the Department of Labor said it best in an interpretive bulletin 29 CFP 2509.94-2. The maintenance by an employee benefit plan of a statement of investment policy designed to further the purposes of the plan and its funding policy is consistent with the fiduciary uh, obligation set forth in ERISA section 404A, 1A, and B. No, that is not the self-destruct sequence of the enterprise of Star Trek III. Uh, that is dealing with... Um, Invent, uh, uh, investment functions um, of retirement plan, uh, you know, for purposes, uh, it's a really important uh, part of a prudent fiduciary process. Um, one of the interesting aspects of the investment policy statement is, you know, it's like I just got a new golf bag. Uh, I haven't really played much golf since I had kids. And I finally replaced the bag uh, that um, was damaged in Hurricane Sandy, which shows you how much golf I played in the last nine years. But, you know, investment policy statement is like a tool. It's like a golf club. A golf club is a tool. Um, you can pick the greatest golf club out there, probably a Callaway. And you could, if you don't have the great uh, stance, know how to hit a club, use a club, uh, it, that, that golf club can only do so much. And it's the same with the investment policy statement. It's a tool. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it has to be implemented and actually used. Uh, as part of a prudent process of running the fiduciary component of a 401k plan, the plan sponsor has to follow the terms of the IPS to the T. Not following the terms of the IPS is really a recipe for disaster for the plan sponsor because it's a breach of their fiduciary duty of prudence because they're not doing what they said they would be doing in the IPS. Uh, you don't want to follow your diet plan. That's on you. Most diets fail. I know, because most of my diets have failed. This last one, getting rid of the COVID-15, has been working, but most diets fail. Investment policy statements can't fail. You have to stick to it. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, having an IPS that uh, plan sponsor is not following is worse than not having one at all because it's evidence that the plan sponsor had a fiduciary duty to properly select investment options, uh, implemented that policy, and decided not to follow it. Uh, again, you know, that exercise bike that's about 25 feet away from me, collecting dust, that's on me. That's my problem. An IPS that a plan sponsor doesn't use, that's on them. And they are on the hook for liability. Nobody's going to sue me because I didn't use my exercise bike. Even my wife isn't going to sue me. But a plan participant can certainly sue a plan sponsor that doesn't use an IPS properly. Um, a plan sponsor really needs that IPS, needs to follow its terms. Any deviation from that is a breach of fiduciary duty. Um, when it comes to an IPS, less is more. I, when I left Geller, Geller Group, I worked for a union law firm for about 10 months. Uh, I don't talk about it much. Uh, it was not a good fit for me. 
I don't have any bad things to say about people. Uh, good group of folks, I think, for the most part. Except for this one attorney, uh, his last name was Winston, doesn't work at that firm anymore, but you would tell him something or do something, he would go ratchet out somebody else. But outside of that, um, it wasn't a great fit. But, you know, I work for an ERISA attorney, very accomplished ERISA attorney. I think she's brilliant. Uh, but uh, she was from the school of more is more. I remember getting to a fight with her, and I, I think it was one of those ancillary amendments we had to do. It might have been the 415 Amendment. And I wanted to use one that, you know, one of the great manufacturers of plain documents uses, monolanguage. Uh, you know, Relias, you can rely on Relias. Um, I wanted to just, you know, do that ancillary amendment, charge 500 bucks, and be done with it. Instead, she was the type of attorney who wanted something uh, custom-created so she can charge a client 10 times as much. Um, she was the type of attorney who wanted something stated in 10 lines when it could have been stated in three. So she came from the school of more is more. If I give, provide you more to my client, then you can, that justifies my fees. Uh, to me, I was always, and still to this day, I'm very responsible for my client's billings. If I could save them a couple bucks by saying, you know what, you don't need me, go Google something and you could get it for free, I'll do that. Uh, I do that all the time with corporations. You know, I have somebody, oh, you, you, can you set up a corporation for me? No, you know what, go do that. You can do that online. You don't need to pay me. Deal, deal directly with the state government. That's it. And the IPS is the same. Less is more. Um, you know, writing a highly detailed IPS, in my opinion, is an absolute mistake. It creates an inflexible document that plan sponsors usually don't follow. And again, if you don't follow it to a T, uh, the plan sponsor breaches their duty. Uh, if the plan sponsor, you know, doesn't follow it, it says, you know, if it says, you know, if this uh, fund fails is in the red zone on the FI 360 report for two quarters in a row, we must replace this. You do that and you don't replace it, you breached your IPS. Um, and flexible IPS is something that you, uh, you know, something that, that a plan sponsor just really, it, it's just something that has just too much detail uh, that must be updated constantly, like, you know, naming the current investment options in the plan. Uh, you know, if you replace those investment options, you're going to have to amend the IPS. Uh, and again, providing too much detail uh, is a bad idea. Don't name the people who are responsible for the judiciary process by their actual name. Uh, just cite their, you know, position. Um, you know, I have a client, Cynthia. I've been working with her for seven years. She's fantastic. She's being bumped up. She's no longer going to be part of the decision-making for the 401k plan. Our IPS doesn't mention Cynthia by name. Our IPS mentions Cynthia's title. So the person who now has her title will uh, be part of that brain trust. Um, why name Cynthia by name? Uh, it would only require us to amend that IPS. Um, you know, again, naming individual members of our time and plan committee from 10 years back in the IPS who aren't part of the committee today is clearly a glaring error that shows the plan sponsor really isn't on top of things because their IPS is out of date. Uh, 
Uh, of course, an IPS should be vague enough that there isn't a set guideline on what needs to be done with the investment options of the plan and the structure of oversight. An IPS is like the story of Goldilocks. It's just got to be just right. Uh, you need to, you know, the plan sponsor really needs to strike a balance, provides enough information and structure, but not too much that it can't be followed. So it's important, I think, that uh, a plan sponsor lists the specific option to the IPS, describing the range and type of investment strategies that are allowable. Um, you know, an IPS really needs to set forth down the rules, but too many rules that can't be followed is an absolute mistake. Um, the Constitution is a living, breathing document. So should the IPS. Uh, I usually come from constitutional law, the Scalia school. When it comes to IPS, I'm like the Justice Brennan, slippery slope and all that kind of guff. Uh, and, you know, flexibility. Uh, penumbras, you know, they talk about constitutional law. Um, I think the IPS has to be flexible enough uh, so that a plan sponsor and their advisor can uh, actively, you know, uh, manage it. Um, I think that a plan sponsor should let their financial advisor draft it. Um, I always believe you should let the expert handle certain things, and a financial advisor is obviously the expert uh, that needs to dry, uh, draft an IPS. Um, I think it's important that plan sponsors have a financial advisor. Uh, if they don't have one and the plan is covered under RISA, I think it's imperative that they do find one. And uh, you. You know, once you have an advisor and they draft an IPS, I think it's important to review it annually to see whether the investment options um, still fit within the IPS and also whether the IPS is still effective and still fits the needs of the investment objectives of both the plan and the plan participants. And again, when you know advisors were pushing for an IPS, just remember that IPS is really one part of the puzzle. Uh, you know, it's a Running a 401k plan is like a jigsaw puzzle, and it's just one big piece. Uh, plan sponsor still needs to make sure the plan document is up to date, that the plan is operated according to its terms, that the annual 5500 filing is done, that the fees are reasonable, that the compliance test is complete and accurate, and that the fees being charged to plan are reasonable. So, you know, you know, like Willy Wonka, you know. Uh, you know, Willy Wonka had those golden tickets, and IPS is not a plan sponsor's golden ticket. It will not get them out of jail for free. Um, you know, if participants direct their investments, and IPS isn't the only thing that will minimize the plan sponsor, uh, their liability in the risk of 404C, it still means that plan sponsors still have to provide investment education or enough information for plan participants to make informed investment decisions. You know, we talk about investment education, obviously investment advice is better, but it's important that plan sponsors realize that the IPS is only one part of a huge puzzle. Uh, plan sponsors need to provide enough information so they can make informed investment decisions. You know, an IPS or a Morningstar profile isn't going to do that. Uh, it's got to be real education. So I think it's important and uh, it's an integral part of the plan, the IPS, an important part of the fiduciary process, but it's not, you know, the Bible or, you know, or the Fountainhead or the uh, Power Broker, which is a great book uh, about Robert Moses. But it's important that you know, plan sponsors and uh, other fiduciaries understand the role of a 
uh, IPS. It's a lot of things, but it's not a lot of things. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of the Quarantine Podcast. Of course, come back next week. And of course, that site.com for further information on all our live events. Thanks. Take care.